Hey there, welcome to the Hopeful Birth Podcast. I'm Jessie Shelto, your host for the next little bit while we meet a new friend and hear her birth stories. Birth has affected my life in profound ways, and I'm not just talking about that new little person that comes in to rock my world. Birth has shaped how I engage with my Heavenly Father, and I hope that it does the same for you. So, whether you're preparing for birth and wanting to learn more about your options from moms who have been there and done that, or are processing through a previous birth, I pray that the Father makes His heart for you and your baby evident as you listen. In this episode number five, we're chatting with my friend Carrie Tippins. Now, if I could describe Carrie's births, I would have to say that they're each so different. Carrie had a C-section with her first baby, an unmedicated birth, which was a VBAC or a vaginal birth after a cesarean with her second, and with her third, she had a medicated birth. She's quick to point out how she saw the father in each of the three births. So if you want to hear about three different birth experiences in one short amount of time, then this is the episode for you. I really loved hearing how Carrie describes how spiritually intimate each of her pregnancies and births and postpartum seasons were. Please note that we do discuss pregnancy loss in this episode, so if you want to be on the lookout for that, it will be between birth stories one and birth story two, or you can just hold off on listening to this episode for now. Please remember that even though I'm quite the birth geek, my guest and I are not medical professionals, so continue seeking care from your provider during this time. Without further ado, here are Carrie's birth testimonies. Hi, Carrie. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Carrie is my neighbor across the street, literally across the cul-de-sac. We did not know that she and her husband and family lived there when we bought the house, but it was like this big, the biggest grace gift ever coming back from Germany and having friends to become family just right across the road. Um, we have our kids are like little stair steps in ages. <laughs> so it's, it's just a treasure to see them like running through the yards to say hi to one another and the neighbor literally across the street to give me a cup of sugar or an egg. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And our windows that face each other. So we can not only see into each other's yards, but each other's homes across the (laughs) monitor the comings and goings of the the vehicles. And if the kids are outside. Yep. Yeah. Our kids look longingly at each other through the windows. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. <laughs> so will you introduce us to your family? Sure. Well, I'm Carrie and my husband's name is Carter. And then I have three boys. Um, my oldest is Judah, who will be seven next month. I have a middle child named Lincoln and he is four. Um, and my baby is, gosh, I lost track of the months, but he'll be two in October. Mm. Sweet little Ansel. That's right. Um, Would you mind sharing about finding out you were pregnant with Judah and his pregnancy with him? Sure, I'd love to. So so Judah is a fun story to tell because there was so much um, just God speaking into my heart and into Carter just about what was coming. Um, and before Judah came, we had all these ideas just deposited in our heart about, um, this child that we would receive and kind of having these ideas about how, um, 
just how to welcome him. And yet when he came, we were still stunned. Like, I think maybe I thought that getting pregnant was a process that just, it just took several months, um, for everyone. And, um, he came pretty immediately. And so it was an overjoyous occasion, but also like, wow, we are not grown up enough for this. Um, <laughs> but I definitely had the reassur the reassurance of, um, of just having all this information from God that we were doing the right thing. So, so a story is um, when I was pregnant before I knew I was pregnant, I had gone to a cabin with some friends and um, everyone was passing out glasses of wine. And I just had this thought in my heart. And I think now that it was God, because it really filled me with so much joy and anticipation, but it was, Oh, I, I could technically be pregnant. Maybe I should just not drink this wine, like just in case. And, um, and I didn't. And the following day, all these butterflies um, came and visited their butterfly bush at this cabin that I was at. And I was able to get several inches from these butterflies. I've never been able to get that close before. And it was such a spiritual experience for me because here I am thinking about the potential of being pregnant and um, butterflies had just been such a symbol of a journey and a transformation for me for so long. And here I am watching them. And I felt like this transformative journey of becoming a mother might be right around the corner for me. Mm. And, um, and sure enough, it was like a week after that, that it was time to take the pregnancy test. And, um, yeah, and I took it and I just stood outside of Carter's shower holding the test, not knowing what to say as he <laughs> opened the curtain. I was awkwardly standing there silent, <laughs> hoping he would still be excited. And he was, thank the Lord. <laughs> it is hard to figure out how to break the news and what to say. Yeah, I wasn't ready, <laughs> but we were very happy. <laughs> So what was your experience of pregnancy like with Judah? You know, that pregnancy was uh, by far the easiest one for me. Um, mm -hmm. I did get what I think, I actually didn't get the a test to make sure, but I think I got the flu um, around the end of my first trimester. And then I couldn't seem to get over just some nausea after that for a couple of months. Um, so it was kind of like I made it through without morning sickness, but then I got this other kind of thing. Mm. Um, but other than that, I had a really great, um, just pretty easy pregnancy and not much to report really, which is not true of my other ones, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So did you guys have hopes or dreams for what his birth was going to be like? Yeah, I don't know how the sort of natural birth movement moved into women's lives during the time that, you know, I was started that journey of giving birth, but somehow it entered my life and the idea seemed very, um, very appealing. I'll say that. Um, I think, um, 
as I was sort of exploring and researching options, I just felt like I don't want to miss any part of birth. Mm. Like I just, I don't want to miss anything. And if there's any potential that um, too much, you know, medical sort of intervention could prevent me from having a spiritual or relational experience um, because so much of how the Lord had just been speaking to me about Judah was such a heightened spiritual experience. And I just, I wanted to absorb every drop of that. Um, so we definitely wanted an unmedicated birth as much as possible. If I would have had it my way, you know, I would have been like in my backyard, but I did have Carter in my ear. <laughs> um, and just my own, you know, thoughts that, since it's my first time giving birth, it would be nice to be in a hospital and just have, um, have things available. Um, and so we were fortunate to stumble upon the midwifery care here in our city that delivers at the hospital. So we could have this natural birth experience with kind of all the, the resources of a hospital available as well. So that was our plan. Okay. So did you, did you do any childbirth ed or any kind of preparation or reading during pregnancy? We had a wonderful doula who gave us the whole package deal and her childbirth education was kind of uniquely hers. It wasn't um, any particular method, but the thing that that I remember most, oh, you know what? She did use a book and I just remembered, but I cannot remember the name of it right now. And that's not helpful, but um, it was, the concept was, um, you know, understanding the physical aspects of birth and kind of embracing that. Mm-hmm. And then we did some preparation by putting ice on my wrist mm. for the length of a contraction Yeah, <laughs> and practicing the different, um, you know, what is it called? Practicing the mindfulness um, during the discomfort of the ice being on my wrist. And I also remember her simulating contractions by pretending like she was having one, um, where she kind of acted it out so that Carter could see like, this is what a woman having a contraction might look like. Oh, and that was wildly helpful actually. Um, and trying to think of anything else. Yeah. She, she did the whole bundle for us. She was wonderful. Cool. So how did your labor start with him? So it was the 37 week appointment that um, they could not find his head in my pelvis and um, or in the downward position at all. And so that was that was so shocking because literally everything had gone perfectly. I mean, just just perfect. Um and so, and I remember I had gotten so alarmed by any medical care that when the midwife wanted to bring out the ultrasound device to see if, if she could see and, and verify that he was head down, I didn't want her to bring it out. I, I just was, I was already at 37 weeks thinking about birth and thinking about being intervention free. And I didn't even want her to bring this ultrasound mm-hmm. machine. And, and she said, okay, well, I can't really verify then which way he is. and it became this really, I just was, I was surprised at how um, poorly I handled the news, honestly. Um, 
it it felt like I was kind of already like gearing up in my mind for birth and then all of a sudden it was a screeching halt and um the weeks that followed were sort of this haze of spinning babies exercises and um laying upside down on a mattress and um acupuncture and acupressure and so many chiropractic appointments sometimes multiple times a day Mm. and um and the child did not move at all (laughs) (laughs) he did not even budge um to the to the point where when I got to 40 weeks um they sent me the midwives sent me to the um what do they call the the specialist OBGYN to to deal with what was going on with the breech positioning and the doctor said there's actually a lot of fluid you have a lot of fluid so we could do a manual version and try to manually turn him so we scheduled that and uh went through that process and um, the doctor that was doing the version tried to turn him several times and i think by the fourth or fifth try the supervising doctor said we need to stop this baby's not budging at all and he clearly wants to be in that position and Mm. or needs to be in that position. Um, so at that point in time, I was just, I was grieving my plan. Um, and I just wasn't ready. You know, they said, let's, let's schedule, let's go ahead and schedule, um, the cesarean birth. You obviously don't want to go. Oh, I should mention he was a footling breach. Um, so he was feet down and they didn't really want me to go into active labor with him in that position. So they asked me to schedule a cesarean birth for, to go ahead and and do it. And I said, no, I needed to process. And I left the hospital and I went out to dinner and I started having contractions. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Um, which apparently can be, can be kickstarted by the, the version, um, mm-hmm. because they're, you know, pressing on your uterus. So, so sure enough, I didn't make it very far, <laughs> <laughs> but you got to eat. I hope I did get to eat and I was Good. hungry. <laughs> so did you head straight back to the OB office or to the hospital right after? Well, me and my stubborn self took myself home and took a bath. And um, (laughs) I think so much of the experience was like, maybe if I close my eyes, it'll stop because I'm just not ready. (laughs) Um, But I was sitting in the, in the bathtub and um, the contractions were kind of picking up and, and they were kind of spasmatic. I mean, they weren't seeming, if I knew then what I know now, I would have felt like these aren't progressing in any way, Mm -hmm. but um, but they were just frequent and I I called Carter in and we prayed and we just gathered ourselves and said, wisdom looks like going back right now. Mm -hmm. And so we did. And I paced the walls and I cried and I was sad. Um, and we just, we waited, we waited our point. They monitored my contractions and things weren't really progressing. So I was able to wait until, um, you know, a few hours for, I didn't have to, it didn't have to be an emergency, which was such a, a gift. Um, 
And so when the morning shift came, I was greeted by the doctor who would be doing the cesarean birth. And it was a lady that I had went to high school with. Oh, wow. And she walked up and she was very professional. She said, I just want to know what your comfort level is with me doing the delivery. And I was in tears. I was like, this is such a tremendous gift. Like I, I, I love this girl I've seen her in years, but um, it just, it was a huge comfort to me to have someone that I knew there um, in a world, in a mind that I had that was so uncomfortable with the idea of medical interventions. There was now a face and a familiarity with what was about to happen. Mm-hmm. And it really eased a lot of my anxieties. It didn't fully ease my grief. Um, but it eased my anxiety and just made me feel loved. Hmm. That's so beautiful. (laughs) Did you have any specific requests for in preparation for the C-section about how you wanted it to go down or were you just whatever they, they tell me I will do that. And I think I, I definitely felt like I'm in uncharted waters so just tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I hadn't even, you know, my, my doula had gone over with me. Here's what a cesarean birth would entail. And here's some things to know about it. She prepared me, but I just blocked it out mentally for the most part. Mm. Um, and so, so yeah, at this point I was just letting the doctors tell me, um, what to do. And fortunately my midwife was able to come in. And, um, and so she was able to facilitate a baby mother connection for me. Um, yeah. So she, she was just really monitoring that and monitoring me. And, um, and so that made me feel comforted. Um, but when we, when we went in for the, for the delivery, Carter had remembered what our doula had said, even though I did not. (laughs) And um, he allowed me to engage with the cesarean birth. And uh, I was so anxious. Um, You know, if you've never had something like a spinal or an epidural, um, the, the mental load of like, if you know that there's something going on with your spine, I think it just can bring a lot of anxiety. (laughs) So for me, I had a lot of anxiety, you know, having that process happen and just being in an OR, it, it's just not what you have in mind when you're planning for natural birth. It's very bright and um, medical, but I had a very comforting doctor. Like I said, I had a very comforting anesthesiologist who talked with me a lot. And then Carter, like I said, remembered what the doula said and as they were doing what they needed to do on the other side of the curtain, he just came down into my ear and he said, okay, you're pushing your baby out. Mm. You're delivering your baby and helped me to imagine being an active participant and what was happening because there is something about a cesarean and especially, I don't know if this happens in every cesarean, but I know it in some and in mine, they um, put your arms, you know, they fasten your arms um, because they're just trying to make sure you're safe and everything. But um, 
it can feel like a helpless rather than a participatory experience. And so Carter involved me in that and it helped tremendously. And even the process of waiting longer than I thought I would to hear that cry felt very much like a real, you know, natural birth that I had envisioned in my head. And, um, and you know, you know, where is he? How is he? Is, is he okay? Is everything all right? Is, is, is this working? You know? And then there's the cry mm. and it's like, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we did it. And, um, and then so the midwife, like I said, was really good at, at, um, creating that connection. He, he needed some suctioning and stuff for the first couple minutes. And then she allowed us to have some skin to skin. And, um, yeah, I remember that experience being, my anxiety was still so heightened during that period. Like, did, did we do it right? Like, is he okay? Does he have all his toes, all his fingers? <laughs> I'm just like looking to everyone in the room, like, is everything okay? I mean, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for y'all to tell me, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was, he was wonderful and perfect in every way. Mm. What was your, your postpartum recovery like with him? Since I know that you hadn't planned to have a C-section. So what was that like? Yeah, such a good question. Um, I felt like maybe it took me a little longer than I expected. And part of that is that my bedroom was up some stairs. And so I had to go up and down the stairs, which I don't think I was supposed to do. I think I was probably supposed to set up a bed downstairs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, I, I remember feeling sore the full six weeks. But, um, but I also felt, um, within those six weeks, I definitely developed some postpartum low feelings. And so sometimes it's hard for me to sort out what, what, how much of me feeling bad during that season was my body and how much was going on in my mind and my heart. Mm-hmm. Were you able to process through and I guess grieve more maybe the birth that you thought that you would have? Was there any, any part of grieving in the process or talking with God about his heart for you? Yeah. You know, I, I didn't process it very thoroughly at first. I think things went so well during that first hour. And I think that I thought we're going to be fine now. Mm. This birth was a gift and, and we're going to be fine. Um, but as the days passed, um, my milk took about 10 days to come in. So I had a very um, unhappy baby mm. <laughs> um, for a few days there. And I was, um, really stubborn about breastfeeding. So he was, I was making him wait and, um, it just began to sink in that, that that wasn't what I wanted. And maybe I wasn't all that grateful for it at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, did I process it? 
no, I didn't. I, I, um, I wish I could say to you, here's all the wonderful ways that I handled that disappointment. But in reality, what I could say to you was, let me tell you all the ways I poorly handled that disappointment. Mm. <laughs> and in hopes that maybe I learned, you know, in the future, but I, I needed, I needed to express that to someone and I really, I didn't. And, um, yeah, I think that I needed some more support with that than I got. And I've, I kind of treated the whole thing like this. I don't know what's normal to feel after you've given birth and maybe everyone feels this bad and I just have to push through for the sake of my baby hmm. because I just didn't know that it wasn't that normal to feel quite that bad. Mm-hmm. So was there, <laughs> was there a shift or a change? Um, let's see with, with Judah, I, I put my head down and I pushed through for the remainder of his postpartum experience. And when he turned one, I, um, I just felt a little bit less heavy, Hmm. but I would say that whole year, I think I needed help. Um, and I just, I just pushed through. Mm -hmm. Did that affect finding out that you were pregnant with Lincoln and how you would prepare for birth for him? Yeah. So I had spent Judah's first year of life thinking, this is it. This is my one baby because the experience of having the postpartum lows, um, the experience of, um, he also had reflux and some other things and didn't, didn't sleep well. And there were just some things that made me think I'm good with one baby. You know, this was a lot. And (laughs) But it was at that year mark, actually, that I thought I could do this again. And I can't really explain that to you. It just happened. Um, and we waited a couple months after that. And then we um, got pregnant and we lost that one very early on. So um, it was, you know, it was like we found out and then it was a loss almost immediately after. So um, that felt. Um, to say discouraging feels a little too obvious, but, um, I think it was hard because it took a lot to get through that first year and have the shift towards a positive mindset again. And so to have a loss with it felt like, oh no, you know, we're, we're getting back on the sad train, Mm. (laughs) but, um, the Lord was so incredibly present and so incredibly gracious with that loss. I mean, he, he sent me people that with shared stories. He sent me um, songs. He sent me Bible verses. He sent me um, people would literally think of me and send songs <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I knew that he had something 
in mind that that that, that wasn't the end of the story. Um, and actually, what's sweet about that story is I actually just told Dita about that the other mm. day, and I hadn't told him before that part of the story. And just the wonder of potentially having another sibling, you know, in eternity. And mm. anyway, it was exciting for us to talk about. But That's sweet, um, yeah. So that was kind of a hurdle to get through, and then Lincoln became possible. Um, six months after that, <laughs> so it was a longer wait than we had, that we had planned. But when he came, um, I, I think our pendulum swung a whole lot with him. I felt like during his pregnancy, I was given the opportunity to really process where was my head with Judah and so much of my disappointment was what I expected, but not what I was promised. So with Lincoln, I really set out to just expect absolutely nothing. Just, you know, whatever happens, we're just, we're here for it, hmm. <laughs> which is a total opposite um, mindset. And it was funny because when he did come, he came naturally and I found myself um, pushing linking out going, Oh, this is not what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Time out, time time out. Let's do the other thing. (laughs) (laughs) And and the experience that I really left with that was, um, okay, let, let me get my head around what this, what this idea is of like being surrendered to God in our desires and in our plans um, while also preparing our hearts for what he has. Hmm. Um, and so that's something that I think I was able to assimilate so much better by the third baby. But it's this idea of how can I discern And then actually use the authority and the stewardship that I have over my body and over these children to try to enact what I'm discerning um, rather than kind of stubbornly hold on to something that I planned independently from God or to be in a place of like, I have no plans. I don't know. We'll just see only to be totally shocked by what that experience would entail. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. So had you prepared for Lincoln's birth with the same care provider and um, same then preparation for birth? Or did you guys do something different? We went through the same midwives and um, we found, how did I find Roxanne? Oh, I remember now. Um, My duo had actually moved um, out of the country by that time. And I was just going to kind of do the same. Again, it was like, make no decisions, just see what happens. So I was just like, let's just do the same thing and then see what happens. And, um, but she had moved out of the country. And so somebody referred me to Roxanne and, um, Roxanne ended up being not only a tremendous doula, but a tremendous friend. Mm. And, um, she, because my doula with Judah actually was not a believer in God. And the comfort that it brought me to have a doula be able to um, 
be a part of the spiritual experience for me was, was huge. Mm-hmm. And it was really comforting to me when I started kind of panicking during the process with Lincoln mm-hmm. because um, one, because she's a doula and she knew this is all normal and it's going to be over soon. But, um, but also she knew that prayer would comfort me, which it did. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, I, I grew up charismatic and hadn't really necessarily practiced my charismatic um, giftings in a while. And I found myself praying in tongues, pushing out Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) And she was good for it. You know, she was right there in it. So, um, and that, but that's what helped me through the intensity of, of the, you know, of those parts of his birth. Hmm. And was, was postpartum with Lincoln different than with the way you had delivered him? Well, let's see, the, the first three months after Lincoln came, I had the, the highs, the sort of um, just, I don't even know what the word would be. It, it just, I was over the moon mm. um, sort of experience. And I think I did, I think I thought to myself, oh, this is why people want to have a natural birth because it does all these great things to your hormones and like you feel so good after. But then at three months, the, the same lows came that I had had with Judah. And, um, at that time I still had managed with Judah, I managed to blame my, my low feelings on the birth. So with Lincoln, I had had this birth that I had originally thought I wanted. So I couldn't blame my lows on that, but I found something else to blame them on. And it was some relational troubles that I was having at the time. And it wasn't until my third baby that I realized, no, I have diagnosable postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. That's what I've been experiencing with each of my babies. Hmm. Wow. So you went through, how long were you experiencing the lows postpartum with Lincoln? Um, Well, you know, with Judah, like I said, it kind of all lifted one day, but with Lincoln, it just kept going. And I think part of that could have been um, situational as well, things that were kind of exacerbating it. Um, Because when you have depression, you're seeing the world in a different way. And so things can happen, hurts can happen um, that need to be worked through differently. And so I think, you know, marriage gets hard. Just things are hard that wouldn't normally be hard. Mm-hmm. And it begins to layer. And so what I found with Lincoln is that I had isolated myself. I had created conflict with Carter. Um, I, I, I say I created this, but I also have enough empathy for myself to say the state of my mind created some of this. Um, the illness I was experiencing created a lot of this. And um, so, so it did, it, it felt like it went on for a long time. And I, I don't even know that it fully lifted. I didn't have the experience of it really shifting like it did um, with Judah. I think I kind of found a way to coast hmm. through life a little bit, never really feeling like myself again. So did that, was that your situation until 
you found yourself pregnant with Ansel? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, the story, <laughs> this story with Ansel was so funny because I was still feeling so low and Carter, God bless him, had to give me the news <laughs> that, um, that he felt very directly led by the Holy spirit to tell me that we had another child and he was so scared (laughs) just because I had been feeling because the postpartum experience had been so hard for me. And, um, but what was funny was when I heard it, it was as though I had been hearing it too. It just, Mm -hmm. it was, it struck me so true and it felt very much, not the joy of how it felt with Judah, but more the duty of bringing these, these people into this world and creating these worshipers of God. Um, which now I look back and say, I would go through 5,000 difficult years of depression to have them. Um, but in that moment of agreeing, it felt like it took everything. Mm. Um, but, it was my joy. It was God was giving me the joy of my life to obey him. Hmm. <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> what, what was pregnancy with Ansel like? Sick as a dog. <laughs> uh, I remember, um, I remember being at our church community group, which we were in together mm-hmm. and being in tears because I was like, God knows that I'm like hanging by a thread and like, he's bringing me another baby and, you know, and, and, and now I'm sick too. Like, come on. And, and I was, I was just sick all day and all night. Um, <laughs> just, you know, I just was, I had my easy pregnancy with Judah. Um, but I couldn't rub it in anymore. You know, I got my sick pregnancy for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember your little pressure bracelets that you would put on to drive the boys to school. Yeah, I tried everything. (laughs) I do think those helped a little. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) And so did you, as you were preparing for Ansel, what, what was your preparation like? Or were you trying to maintain that kind of balance of surrender and hope and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I I was, um, I mean, those are the perfect words for it. It was, how do I be surrendered to the God who's brought me these two amazing babies so far? Um, while also being somebody with a brain, you know, being somebody that is reading and asking the questions and utilizing my, my team, um, without the fear that I had had, you know, of, um, only certain options are good, you know, um, and other options are scary because here I've experienced these two very different ways of bringing a baby into the world. And they both had the exact same result, which is a wonderful, amazing, beautiful child in my arms, Mm. you know? So So how do I navigate the uniqueness of this particular child, not knowing, not knowing how he'll need to come into the world. And sure enough, he needed something very different. (laughs) (laughs) 
Will you tell us about going into labor with him? Sure. Um, gosh, do I even remember? Let's see. I'm remembering Lincoln's now because I didn't tell you that. That one was fun. I want to say that I felt it coming because I had felt it coming with Lincoln, like in my gut, mm. like I'm going into labor tonight. Cannot explain that to you. That is a biological thing of something crazy that God did. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily normal, but I think actually the same thing happened with Ansel and I, I called my mom and I'm like, Hey, can you just take, go ahead and take the kiddos and just have them. Am I remembering this right? Do you remember? I, I remember running into Carter at school and him saying, she's having contractions. Like we think, we think it's going to be today. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I feel so bad. This is like classic third child. Uh, (laughs) So I can tell you every like millisecond of what happened with Judah and most of it. But um, with Ansel, I'm like, I don't know, labor and then he'll come out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, but yeah, I do remember the contractions now and I'm retiring them and I remember it being so much slower than it had been with Lincoln and just feeling like um, this isn't really progressing in the way that Lincoln's did. But, um, but the thing that happened with Lincoln is that when I got into my delivery room, labor was like, um, I want to say it was like an hour and a half after that point, it just kind of took off and did its thing. Um, and so that's what I was thinking with Ansel is, Oh, you know, what really helped me last time was getting into my space. So I thought, let me see if I can get into the hospital. I don't think this is progressing really fast, but if maybe I can get into my delivery room, you know, I'll be able to, you know, settle in and get there mentally. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was just barely able to get in. I was right at a four when I went in and I got into my delivery room and I'm like, okay, here comes the action. And it did not. So <laughs> <laughs> I really pick up. Um, and it kind of moved from, I was fortunate that I had experienced contractions before because I was able to know that these were different. Um, these these did not feel like the productive contractions that I had had with Lincoln. They felt more just like a grind and stop, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so I kept saying, you know, something's not progressing. And sure enough, they would check me and it just, I wasn't at all. And that went on for enough, uh, for enough of amount of a time that I felt like, um, Something for me is shifting from doing the work to just experiencing a lot of discomfort. And there was a moment for me when I thought, this is why they make pain medications, right? And I I had talked to to Carter about it and I talked to Roxanne about it. And I got to this point where it it was such like an epic moment where it was like the father just reached down and was like, you are so capable of making this decision. 
And I felt so empowered because, you know, with Judah, it was this thing of like, I'm going to hunker down and get the birth I want my way without really knowing what God wanted. And with Lincoln, it was like, I'm totally just going to let it happen. And now here I am going, I think I'm perceiving what's good here and I'm feeling empowered to actually act in it. Um, and so that was such a big healing journey for me. And I looked up at my doula who like literally is being paid to help me not use medication. I feel like it's so much of, you know, mm-hmm. what doulas are there to help you to get through that. But I looked at her and I said, Roxanne, I want an epidural and I want an epidural right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, Carter had fallen asleep. And so Roxanne talked with me through it for a while and I was like, oh, I'm 100%. And I'm, like, so excited about it. Like, I feel so, like, empowered right now. And um, Kerr woke up, and he's like, okay, this is where I'm just to talk you out of it, right? Because, the, you know, they just remembered everything from the first situation. Like, Carter remembered, you know, all those things. But I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm so overjoyed about it. It doesn't feel like a failure. Like, I think it's going to be really great. And um, so they came and gave me epidural. And it was really great. I just like <laughs> hung out and I progressed at that point. Hmm. Um, and I mean, I couldn't sleep. They could, you know, they tell you to sleep. I couldn't sleep, but, um, but I did progress and, um, um, Oh, I'm trying to remember the next part of the story now. <laughs> uh, when it, when it came time to push, he, uh, it became evident that he was in a wonky position. And I think that was the actual word used by my midwife wonky. He's in a wonky position. Mm. And so I had to push for quite some time until, uh, my midwife who I was not very happy with at the moment when she said this, she's like, we're going to turn down the epidural now. And I thought, but it's been so lovely, (laughs) (laughs) but turned it off. And I, it was, again, it was this moment of, you know, this is when we, this is when we brace ourselves and do the hard work. You know, mm-hmm. this is those moments we don't have the choice, but we do the hard work. And, um, and so I did. And, and so all that intensity came back that I remembered from, you know, from Lincoln of that pushing sensation, that um, pushing contractions. And uh, I had to work really hard to, um, to get him out, but it felt very, um, Gosh, I was just surrounded by a fantastic team, fantastic midwife. Anytime I felt like this is taking a long time, are we still okay? You know, everyone was, yes, we're, we're good. Like you've got this. And, um, so he, he came out sunny side up, face in the sky. Mm. He wanted to see you. (laughs) He did. He wanted to see me first thing. Um, and he did. And uh, the first thing I said was, I think I, I looked at Carter first, but then I looked at Roxanne and I said, he's the most beautiful baby I've ever seen. Is he not the most beautiful baby you've ever seen? Which is totally putting her in a terrible position because she sees tons of babies. She can't say that to all of them, can she? But of course she nodded like, yes, of course, because he was just the most gorgeous newborn. Um, even though, you know, he had this like dome coming sideways out of his head from where he had come, you know, come out. <laughs> Um, but gosh, he was just overjoyed. And my midwife was pregnant at the time mm. and she looked at me and she said, um, was it worth it? Cause I'm counting on it being worth it. And I said, oh yes, 
absolutely. Mm. <laughs> so that was just a sweet, a sweet moment to be able to say that to her. Yeah. You know, her seeing the hard work I put in. Right. And being able to say that to her was really sweet. Mm. That's amazing. <laughs> what was your postpartum experience like with Ansel? Yeah, well, with Ansel, I had really opened up to you guys in my community group and, you know, just let you guys in. Um, I think it was actually when I was pregnant that the Lord just allowed some information and wisdom in to where I was able to go. That has been postpartum depression <laughs> I've been dealing with, and I need to ready myself because apparently I am predisposed to that. And um, so I had shared with with you gals and um the support of that was drastically different than it had felt for the other two. Um, so much so that it wasn't until, was it around nine or 10 months that, um, you know, I just kept saying maybe I'd have a, a harder day here and there, but for the most part, I did not feel like I was getting under anything. I, I was feeling um, able to manage, you know, myself emotionally and spiritually. But about nine and 10 months, I, I remember saying to you guys, you know, I'm starting to feel some heaviness that's sticking with me every day. Um, I'm starting to think the kinds of thoughts that are more uh, discouraging and more uh, maybe anxiety, feel, feelings of anxiety that I recall. And so I'm going to do something about this. Mm. And I remember just, uh, again, that, that sensation of I can choose the epidural. It was this, this same idea of like, I can choose to get help. You know, I don't, I don't have to push through postpartum. Um, like I did before there, there's actually ways that I can support myself professionally. And so I found a counselor who their, their whole practice specialized in, um, issues related to fertility and pregnancy and postpartum. And it just, it changed the entire experience for me. Mm. Um, sometimes it was, you know, a 50 minute conversation would just change everything about what I was experiencing because she could say, you know, what you're experiencing is, is an illness and this is how it presents itself. Mm. Um, and it just, it freed me to, to kind of see what was what was rational and what was this, this illness and, and just to sort it out. Mm -hmm. um, and then she recommended a book for Carter to read. So he was able to understand what I was going through and be a phenomenal support to me. And so because of those things, I've had such a different experience with Ansel where I just feel like anytime I felt like I was getting under something I was able to have the professional help that I needed. Um, I took I took an antidepressant for a very short time um, with him, but it, again, it was having that person walking with me to help me know when is it time, when when is it okay to move away from that tool. Um, gosh, it just it changed the whole thing to where I really feel like I enjoyed. I mean, I didn't enjoy the sleeplessness. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> that part is just hard, but I really have enjoyed this time with him, and I've I've felt um, a type of affection with him that I had all the affection with all of my babies, but um, but 
there was something redeeming about not having kind of a cloud over that season as much. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing each of their stories. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. It's, it's so fun to remember and think of the questions I have to ask Carter to remind me of that I still (laughs) don't remember. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, before we wrap up, do you have any advice for um, maybe a lady who is preparing her heart for pregnancy or who is currently pregnant and preparing for a birth or maybe for a mom who is uh, processing a birth or maybe dealing with postpartum depression or lows. Do you have any advice you that comes to your heart? Yes, I do. The word that I would have is connection. I would say before, during, and after birth is a time that's really built for connection, primarily with God. It's a time to be so aware of what he's doing because it's a time that things happen so rapidly and often in ways that you couldn't expect. And so um, none of us know exactly what kind of birth story our baby is bringing with him or her. And um, that story is going to be written by your creator. So connecting with him, I think, is key in being able to um, have your mind ready for what it is that he wants to show you about himself and about the child that he's bringing. Um, And connection with anybody and everybody that um, kind of understands your story and um, women in particular, your spouse, you know, and your pregnancy team. I felt like I couldn't have too many people in the birth room with me. (laughs) Some people may feel differently about that, but every person that touches your heart when you're pregnant, when you are giving birth in the, in the delivery room or in the delivery area, wherever you are. And during that postpartum phase, um, bring something that's so special and such a gift, because I always say when you're pregnant, when you're postpartum, there's like a filter that lifts, you know, you think of how you cry at the drop of a hat over a sweet commercial or, And I just, and I always felt like I had these deep spiritual experiences. And I think it's just, there's an openness, um, kind of an open um, channel that happens when we are caring and and caring for a little baby. And it's, it's just a great time to let those connections be positive and to choose them, to choose them in that moment and not to push them away. Mm, That's a good word. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. Yes, thank you for this time. So meaningful to my heart. Mm, Mine too. Hey friends, thanks for joining me today. To stay up to date on the podcast, like me on Facebook at Hopeful Birth and please follow me on Instagram at Hopeful Birth Podcast. And if you found this episode helpful, it would be really great for you to leave a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform that you're using. Don't forget to check out my website. It's hopefulbirth.com. And there's a page on there where you can make a request to share your birth story on a future episode. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.